Ukraine, of course, is no stranger to Russian missile attacks after 18 months of war. But today, the country's leaders are seeing red after a particularly devastating strike on a shopping area. Bring us up to date with the very latest there first. Uh, that's right. As, as if any reminder were necessary, as uh, Secretary Blinken arrived in Kyiv, there had been the strikes overnight here on the Ukrainian capital, ballistic missiles and cruise missiles. Uh, but this uh, strike on uh, this town, which is about 20 miles to the west of Bakhmut, Isa, a particular reminder uh, of uh, what it is Ukrainians are enduring and exactly what Secretary Blinken is here to speak about, which is not only to get an idea of how the counteroffensive is going from the point of view of the Ukrainians, the Americans have their own assessment uh, that the progress made has been significant, but they want to find out more from uh, their Ukrainian uh, counterparts about exactly what their view of the situation on the ground is and the effectiveness of their counteroffensive. And his aim is really to take that back uh, to Washington. Remember, uh, Isa, that the polls over in the United States do suggest a softening uh, for support for the continued funding of this war and his visit, Secretary Blinken's, comes less than a month after President Biden went to Congress to ask for a further $24 billion in aid. Now, when he gets up to speak at that podium next to his counterpart, Dimitro Kuleba, we're likely to hear more about some of the aid uh, that uh, we understand is now uh, likely to be pledged by the United States, and that uh, includes some of the more controversial depleted uranium munitions. The United Kingdom had already pledged some back in March. The answer from Moscow had been fairly quick uh, that uh, if any uh, of these munitions, I think it's important to explain uh, that whilst they can contain a little bit of radioactivity, essentially their point is that they have much more dense uh, they are much more dense than ordinary lead and they allow the piercing of the kind of armor that you find on tanks. Uh, the response from Moscow had been swift that any use of anything nuclear would bring a reset on the part of Moscow. So uh, there had been some question as to whether the United States would go this far. Our understanding is that this may be part of the package uh, that is to be announced. Certainly from uh, Secretary of State Blinken, we're likely to hear further condemnation of what we saw today. It was, uh, and you heard in that uh, clip that you just played, Isa, the sound uh, uh, of, 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 of what uh, the inhabitants of that uh, town uh, saw, lived through, suffered today, quite extraordinary. And although there have been uh, civilian deaths throughout this conflict, that particular death toll, more than at least 17 people now known to have been killed, including uh, a child, as they went about their ordinary business in a market town. And of course, you and I have discussed this at great length, the, the counteroffensive, the criticism uh, about the pace of the counteroffensive. Have we heard for this from the Secretary of State, from the US, how do they view, what's their assessment of this counteroffensive so far, as a head of the UNGA, of course? I think uh, so far what we've been hearing uh, from the State Department officials is that their assessment uh, is that these are significant steps, they're important steps, that the progress uh, has been good. Uh, and that is very much the message that they want to carry back with them. You're right, Issa, this is also about getting uh, their messages straight, that Washington and Kyiv can stand uh, together and what it is they have to test, tell the rest of the world when they get to the UN. Because remember that it is a 50-plus strong alliance uh, that needs to be held together. That is no mean feat, 19 months into this war. 
uh, that the entire world has grown weary of, not least, of course, uh, the Ukrainians. But it is about holding together that alliance and convincing them by the time President Zelensky stands in New York, not just of the need to continue uh, standing firm uh, with Ukraine, but actually to keep going further, since that is what President Zelensky is asking for. The Ukrainian counteroffensive has made progress. It's proving extremely costly in terms of men. What we understand is happening down there is that these are smaller assault units that are now trying to go in and move forward that front line in very difficult conditions ahead of a bigger assault that might take place. And for that, they're going to need a lot more support behind them, Isa. And Melissa, do stand by, of course, as uh, soon as that press conference gets underway. If we just show our viewers again that podium, we are expecting to hear from the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, and also from Dmitry Kuleba there. As soon as that gets underway, of course, we shall bring it to you. Go back to Melissa. Uh, Melissa Bell, in the meantime, thank you very much. Well, Ukraine's new Defence Minister was approved by Parliament today, and his, his very first comment on the job, he vowed every centimetre of the country will be liberated. I want to take a close look now where Ukraine's counteroffensive stands. Sam Kiley is joining me in the studio. And Sam, you know, we have heard about much progress being achieved, at least in the South. Talk us through where you see the biggest, uh, the, the biggest achievements, if I can call it that, for Ukraine forces? Well, I think one of the interesting things, Issa, is, is all about expectations. There are critics in the Pentagon and elsewhere that have suggested that this is a campaign that is running to the sand, that the Ukrainians are not getting as far as uh, we're anticipating. If you see this initial map here, mm. you see on that southern front there, uh, looking uh, east from Zaporizhia, just got a few yellow blobs and some white dots up the side there. So just those, around here. Those are just the areas, very small-looking areas that the Ukrainians have liberated in the last uh, few months since the summer offensive got underway. Uh, and if we take a closer look at that southern front, mm. Uh, if we can get this machine to work. Uh, I'm sure they can push it up for us because what we want we to go. focus... There we go. Yeah. So they've had this uh, robot, robot to knee there. Uh, that is where the latest uh, successes have been. That, that doesn't look a lot, but it is pretty significant. Their aim is to go on to Tomac with a view of, of capturing uh, Melitopol, ultimately. But there is line upon line upon line of defensive... Uh, entrenchments mm. made by the Russians. They've, they stretch from all the way here, all the way, and we'll come later and talk about it uh, up in the north. But you've got these very substantial defences. So the breakthroughs on the ground there have come as a result of infanteers infiltrating at night, clearing mines by hand, and then calling in the armour that NATO supplied that the Americans keep uh, handing over to the Ukrainians. So you've been looking around this area uh, in Robotin and Tokmak here. What I heard was, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the first line of defence, we're well, the first, fourth, uh, the fourth month now of this counteroffensive, we're just starting. The first line of this counteroffensive, breaking through that uh, Russian line, was the hardest. Does that, the next stage, does that mean that's going to be easier? The momentum is going to be there? The momentum may gather in this area. They will want to expand sideways, if you like, to create uh, a bridgehead for mm. their to bring in supplies. What they want to be able to do is get a sufficiently wide breach in the Russian lines that they can expand behind them. But, of course, they're going to suffer counterattacks. These are areas that are under attack constantly from the Russians. They've all been pre-prepared. So the Russians know exactly what the coordinates are they, that they want to hit, but they do want to reinforce that and try and cut off uh, the east right and west. Across exactly, to, the to bisect this big area of red territory with the ultimate aim of going in 
and, and I'm guessing Crimea. also cutting off supply lines. That's, that's key. So that's the South. How successful has Ukraine been in the East? Well, if we take a look at the East again, you see these yellow blobs. They're the, the ones, the areas that have been liberated uh, over the last few mm. months. Not an enormous amount of success, a huge amount of blood and uh, treasure expended in Bakhmut, known as the meat grinder, unfortunately, by both sides. This is an area where the Russians continue to main maintain pressure. And at the same time, the Russians have been trying to remove forces from that area to reinforce down here in the south. And that has given the Ukrainians opportunity to harry those forces, to attack them when they're vulnerable, which is when they're on the move and when they're uh, trying to go south. But, of course, the enemy has always got a vote, as they say, military doctrine. <laughs> Konstantinivka, 16, 17 yeah. now, uh, dead today, more than 20 injured in that missile attack. Constant attacks just behind the lines, trying to weaken and the And if you go style. to the main graphic for us there, Sam, you were in Ukraine at the beginning of the year. What is your assessment of the gains that we have seen here in the south, but also in the east? I think it's much too early to make a decision one way or the other about who's winning, who's losing, yeah. whether or not which side has got the momentum. Under military doctrine at the moment, uh, the NATO would not conduct this operation without a three-to-one ratio in their favour. The troop numbers are probably the other way round. It's one to three for the Ukrainians. So they've got... The odds are heavily against them. They don't have air power. They do have better artillery. They do have a bit more armour. The volume of help that they're getting is nothing like what NATO would admit they need to do this. In that context, pretty miraculous, the advances they have made. But up uh, north in uh, Kharkiv, for example, yeah. that is where the Russians uh, have been counterattacking. This one here, yeah. That's that exactly up the there. So uh, when we're looking up in that, that area, uh, we've, we've seen Russian counterattacks. Again, yeah. all an effort to try to draw each other's troops away from where each side is deciding the main effort. So you've got a Russian attack going mm. on in Bakhmut and just north of Bakhmut, and a Ukrainian attack going down there in the south. Almost like a pincer. Thanks very much, Sam. Appreciate it.